It's great to see so many people in church this morning. Um, aha, I'm going to make an announcement this morning, which is like, it's, it's in my heart. And, and I, I work, I go, how can I do this announcement? Because it's something this week. But this week, on Friday afternoon, about midday, a real man of God went and met his Savior that he faithfully served all the 88 years of his life. Pastor Andrew Evans went to be with the Lord. I got a, sorry. Uh, you know, there, there, many great people do many great things for God. But Pastor Andrew, his brother Fred and sister-in-law Betty are here. They're part of our congregation. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a wonderful thing for him. And we got to actually applaud God. I haven't rehearsed this at all. I'm just messing this up bad. I just wanna, I just wanna honor Pastor Andrew and all that he has done. Pastor Andrew preached the message that I got saved under. July the 11th, 1982, I walked into a church. I had no idea that a church like this existed. I lit up a cigarette in the middle of church because back then you could smoke in a theater, right? And I just thought, oh, this is like a theater, right? I met Pastor Andrew afterwards, and I said, hello, Mr. Evans. I didn't know you could be a pastor. I'd heard of a priest, but I didn't know that you could be a pastor. And so under his ministry, I became a Christian. In the church that was his church and that he pastored for so many years, I was discipled. His two sons became great, great close friends of mine who run great worldwide influencing churches today. He was a man of God who just had the kingdom of God first in his heart. And, and so many people can tell the same story of what I spoke about, that their lives were changed under his ministry. As different ones have put up different things on social media, the amount of people said, I was saved under his ministry. This happened when he was there. He came and ministered to me there. He came and ministered to me there. And so many churches throughout Australia were started under his ministry. Pastor Fred and uh, Pastor Andrew came from a great man of God, Pastor Tommy Evans, who was saved in the Welsh Revival. And there's a great thing of ministry. They went to India. And from there, they did a great work. Pastor Andrew and Pastor Fred were both born in India. And they just lived a life of ministry. Please pray for Pastor Fred. He's never known life without Pastor Andrew. And so on Friday morning, when Russell texted me and he said, you know, it looks like my dad is gonna die today. And, uh, and it was just a shock. I knew that he was unwell and blessings of God, I've been able to see him in the last little while uh, because he was here in the Gold Coast in a, in a, in a nursing home there. And, uh, and it's just a celebration of a life well lived. And so I want us to uh, just keep Pastor Fred in your prayers, Ashley and Russell. And I'll tell you one story about Pastor Andrew. We'll tell you a little bit about him, right? In many ways, I'm here at the church at Albany. It was all called Albany Hills Christian Church back then because of Pastor Andrew. So what happened is that I was on staff. I'd been on staff at Paradise Church for, I think, 16 years or so. And I was the executive pastor there. And I felt it was time to go. 
and there was a few different things happened, and so I found out that this church had become available looking for a pastor, and it was just at the right time. It was literally this thing of the right time, and, uh, and so what happened is, I don't even know if I've told you this story, Pastor Fred, but what happened is that like, uh, I rang up David Elder, who was the, on the board at that time, and I rang him up and I, and I said, are you interested in a pastor or are you interested in becoming like a part of a, a larger church organization? Because I didn't want to, you, you know, like, and so uh, he said, no, we want to be, uh, uh, we want a pastor and we believe we're going to have locations one day, which is what's happened, praise God. Well, good prophetic word there, David. And, uh, and so I said, well, I'm not applying because I need to speak to Pastor Ashley. Pastor Ashley was a senior pastor of the church. I need to speak to Pastor Ashley. And, you know, if he says that it's a good idea, then I'll do it because I didn't want to just run ahead. And I didn't like it when people went and told their leader what they were doing rather than ask their leader's opinion because they thought their leader could somehow change it. The leader can't change the will of God. And, uh, and so I, I really wanted to tell Ashley, who was actually on holidays here. So that was on a Friday. And then I preached on that weekend. And then I thought only one other person, my Nina knew, the person who told me about the, op the, the opportunity here, and David Elder knew. And then I'm walking in Glenelg with Nina on a Monday morning and I get a phone call from Mrs. Evans, Pastor Andrew's wife. And, uh, and she goes, hello, Mark, how are you? And I'm going, very well, Mrs. Evans. By the way, Mrs. Evans was actually here on our very first Sunday when Nina and I came as pastors. Just, it was a wonderful, uh, honouring moment. But, uh, and then, uh, so she goes, I enjoyed your preaching yesterday morning. And by the way, I hear you're going to Albany Hills. And, and I was just like flabbergasted. I was just like, I can't believe what's, how, how, right? And what happened is that Pastor Fred and David, or who's now Pastor David, right? Uh, and Pastor Ian and Glenn uh, Schultz would get together every Saturday morning and have a prayer meeting. And uh, Pastor, uh, and David just said, oh, he goes, oh, a, a guy from Paradise has contacted us. And obviously, Pastor Fred's ears, like, freaked up. And uh, so, you dobbed me in, right? And uh, <laughs> so, but it's like, and that. But this is what happened. And this is, this is a measure of who Pastor Andrew is. So, Pastor Andrew rang me, right? And he knew that in leaving Paradise, that it was going to be a big deal. And, uh, and so, for two hours, he's on the phone trying to talk me out of going, trying to tell me why I should stay at Paradise, trying to tell me all these different things. Do you know what he said? He goes, you know, Pastor uh, Ian is one of the best pastors in all Australia. Churches have never done well after he's left somewhere. You know, all these things, right? He's doing all this. And then I would talk to him. And I'd talk to him about what was on my heart. I'd talk to him about different things. And this is the measure of the man, even though he didn't want me to go, he was able to recognize that it was God. And he finished the conversation with this. He goes, I am gonna pray for you. Lorraine and I will pray for you. We believe that this is God's will and we'll, talk, we'll let you talk to Ashley. We won't talk to Ashley. And I just think it's amazing. Another amazing occurrence is that Ashley lives in the US right now. 
And he knew his dad hated it there in the nursing home because he's a, his, he was a, a, a man's man. He was always doing something. Even when he left ministry, he started Family First Party and became a, a member of the upper house in South Australia. He's always doing something, always encouraging pastors all around Australia. And, and so here he is stuck in his home and he hated it. And, and Pastor actually prayed with his son. He said, let it be. He goes, that when I go to Australia, one of two things happens. Let it be that while I'm there, the Lord takes him or the Lord heals him and he has 10 years of energetic life. And then last Friday, while Ashley's in Adelaide at Paradise, right, he gets the phone call. We put your dad into a, a, a coma. We don't think he's gonna make the, uh, the day out. And he was able to fly in and be with his father. You know, God, even in the midst of tough times, always shows himself. And uh, so it's been an emotional time for me because in a sense, he's like my spiritual grandfather. Ashley would be my spiritual father, someone that I talk to and, and do it, but he's my spiritual grandfather. And I, and I would say to you young people, find those men and women of God that you can look up to. You know, in our church, there's many good men and women of God. Find that people that can parent you in a sense in the spirit and can grandparent you in the spirit. You know, and, and, and if one of the young people come to you, older folk in here, please give them the benefit of your experience. Give them the benefit of your belief. Don't be pointing out the things they should be doing. Just encourage them in the things of the Lord. One of the great things that Pastor Fred does for me, he constantly encourages me constantly sends me a little text. I could do the worst thing. He'll find a way to, to encourage me about it. And let me tell you, it makes me walk stronger and taller. And older people, you can make our young people walk stronger and taller just by encouraging them. But young people, go and ask. Sometimes they won't give you the benefit of their wisdom because they're not being asked. You wanna be invited in on those times. So whether you're a parent, whether and all these different things, it's not age. My spiritual father's younger than me which keeps reminding me of, right? But only by one year. He turns 60 next year too, right? So, uh, uh, <laughs> so you, you know, it's not about age. It's about stage. It's about where they are. And so find those people that can just stir you on in the things of God, and it's just a good and wise thing. So Pastor Andrew's left the legacy. Churches all around the world, ministers and pastors all around the world because he had this maxim, put the kingdom of God first. Yeah. And even this morning, talking to Pastor Fred, he talked about my dad taught us to put the kingdom of God first. Yeah. What a legacy. Yeah. If you've taught that to your children, pretty much everything else will happen. All right, we're gonna preach now. Father, I pray you take what I'm about to say, make it real, make it life, make it challenging, make it changing, oh God. Father, let it bring impact. Let the Holy Ghost on this Pentecost Sunday take it and be a fire in someone's soul. In Jesus' name, amen. So this week, on Friday, or Thursday, I'm not sure which one, but it's gonna be June the 1st. It's gonna be June. Can you believe it? How can it be June? It's, it was just New Year's Day, like a week ago, right? And now it's June. And it's just, I can't believe it. But what you do, and what I think is a wise thing to do, is around the middle of the year, just you, you do a bit of introspection. You have a little bit of a look at what things are going on. Let me explain. 
So you start off a year with great hopes. January 1st, oh, this is gonna happen, it's gonna be awesome. There's aspirations. And then the middle of the year comes, and I think it's a good time to just take a step back and have a look, and have a look at what's happened in the last five, six months. How are you in relation to the aspiration, the goals, and the different hopes that you have? You may not be a goal setter, but everyone, no matter the personality, at the start of the year kind of has this, it's gonna be different this year. I'm gonna try and do something different. And so it's good in a half year, kind of just have a look and say, so how are we going? Some of you, if you look back, you go, yes, it's gone great. I'm just seeing all these goals. It's amazing. Some will be sad and go, no, I'm far behind. And some of you, that's oh, that's right. I did set some goals this year, didn't I? Right? So, uh, you know, we had a board meeting this week and we did the same. So what we did is that we looked at where we are in relation to the budget. So wise, whether it be a family, whether it be a church, whether it be a business, you kind of like, Work out what money's there and are we spending it properly and are we spending it wisely? And are we doing the right thing with those things? And so we look at that. So at our next board meeting, we're gonna forensically go through all of our expenses. Our giving has been up this year, but also our spending's been up this year. It's funny like that, isn't it? Right? Does anyone else's budget like that? Right? So, uh, uh, and, uh, and so we're gonna forensically look at that because it's wise, it's smart. It's good to do. Now, in relationship to the board, I have an announcement to make today, is that last year at the uh, end of the year, Simon Bedville came to me and said, I feel my time at the end of the, come on the board is uh, coming to an end. And I said, that's good, Simon. Uh, tell me about it when, you, you know, like, I don't want you to go, all right? So I said, look, all right, um, just, you know, Think on it for a while, right? Think on it for a while. And so he went away and thought about it. But two or three board meetings ago, he came to me beforehand and said, nah, I've been praying about it. And I think that it's, my time on the board is over and, and it's time for me to, to go on to some other things. And I go, well, just think about it one more month, all right? And just let me know before the next board meeting, right? And uh, so uh, next board meeting, can I see you? And he said, no, it is the time. You know, nothing is forever. And so we said thank you to Simon and we're very grateful for all that Simon has done. When we have our eGem uh, later in the year, uh, which won't be too far away, we'll be doing some things a little bit more officially and, and all of that. So we say thank you, Simon. Stand up, Simon, because many people would, may not know who you are. <laughs> Simon uh, has been on the board for... Uh, 100,000 years, no, for, for the 10 years. And uh, it's just said faithfully, just been a wonderful support to Nina and I and uh, just been a fantastic. So then we're asking God, who should we ask to be a new board member? And so Kelvin Aria, we've asked to become a new board member. Now, what about Kelvin is that he is a servant. So he's on the actual uh, uh, camera today. Right, so come out here, Kelvin. Come over here, come off the camera, put a big wide shot on, all right? And so come up, and so come and show your beautiful face, all right? So Kelvin uh, is, uh, works for the Department of Health, did I get this right? And uh, Kelvin is one of the guys who makes sure that everything works. He's got a big job. 
They've got seven hospitals that they have to get online and it's his responsibility to make sure that they all get online. So, and he's been told he has to do it by the next election. So uh, am I allowed to say that? Sorry. <laughs> Scrub that from the tape, right? And so, uh, <laughs> right? So, uh, and he's also part of the Nigerian Association. He's been in our church for how long now? 11 years. He's with his family he's, he's, and he just is a servant. He is just someone who's willing to serve. He's always in the background. He's a life group, but he's kind. And I want to tell you this, right? Every time there's been something in common on our uh, trivia nights, the team that won had Kelvin on it. <laughs> All right? Like, the guy is just a, like, if I was on uh, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, you'd be my phone a friend. <laughs> All right? So, uh, <laughs> right? So he's just a, a, a wonderful man, a friendly man, a knowledgeable man, and he's going to add to our board, and so let's give him a hand. He hates the limelight, but he's gonna do a great job, and uh, so we'll be doing a few more official things, but I just thought I'd let you know, and I thought you have to come on the camera because no one can see you. So, hello everyone on screen, there you go. He's the guy who's making sure that, it's, uh, uh, that I'm on the screen. So, God bless you, thank you, Kelvin. So, we want to have a look at where we are in relation to budget. You don't want to get to the end of the year and suddenly you can spend all of this money. So we spent some money, but we also did put a brand new air conditioning system here in the building. So I think that's probably where some of the expenses went, right? And, uh, so, and I told them, I said, look, I'm happy to take a small pay cut from my $300,000 a year salary, <laughs> right? Oh, <laughs> that was a joke, all right? <laughs> Before it goes on, he gets what? Right? So, uh, no, no, I should just stop there. It, <laughs> meter's going. <laughs> Reflection, though, for too long cannot be healthy. You don't want to reflect for too long. If it's too long, it actually becomes self-destructive. To look back for a brief period, though, and see where your challenges are and see where the things that you need to deal with are, I think that that's wise. And to be honest, this is not a usual message for me. I, 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 I don't really uh, preach too much about deal with all your weaknesses, get rid of this, get rid of that, because I just think to myself, if you work your strengths, your weaknesses will take care of themselves. But today I'm wanting you to be honest with yourself, to identify your weaknesses so that you can actually become more fruitful in a year where it's fruit. Oh. I think it's smart to focus briefly on some things that might be stealing your fruit or hindering your fruit, or weakening your fruit. See, my personal belief is that if you work your strengths, the gifts, talents, and abilities that God gave you, then you'd, you won't really need to deal with your weaknesses because your strengths will overcome and dominate your weaknesses. The Bible tells us it's our gift that makes room for us. It's our gift that allows us to stand before important people. So I believe that that's really the truth. So I've always been a G for walking, working on your strengths rather than concentrating on your weaknesses. 
See, your strengths, gifts, and talents were given to you by God to be able to do the work that He has prepared for you, right? One of our mandate is that you find your that. Philippians 3 verse 12 says, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. See, there's a that. There's some reason that Jesus took hold of your life. There's a work that he has prepared for you. So as you take hold of that, you are gonna actually have success in life. And so though I, I, I so concentrating on what God didn't put in isn't actually fruitful. You, you can't put in what God didn't put in. And God knows that if he didn't put it in, then that means you can still be fruitful without it. You didn't need it if he didn't put it in. So instead of just concentrating, trying to be what you aren't, be who God's called you to be and you're actually guaranteed success. But though I believe that very much, though I teach that, though I live that, I actually do think it's smart from time to time to, to look at the challenges that you have so they Keep from hamstringing you in running your race. If you've ever pulled a hamstring, it's a terrible, terrible thing. You're running around and all of a sudden it goes twang, right? And then, bah, we've seen it on the sporting field. And if it's ever happened to you, it's tremendously painful and you're really gone. You're just like dragging yourself around for ages after that, right? So it's, it's just not a good thing to do. You can't run with a crook hammy. So you wanna actually help yourself so those things won't happen. So in this year of fruit, more fruit, much fruit and everlasting fruit, sometimes for healthy growth to occur, you need to get rid of the weeds so that there can be growth. Yeah. You can get rid of those things that are inhibiting and stopping you from growing. This week, we had a fig tree that just wasn't thriving. And we worked out that we'd put it into too small of a place. So we dug it out and we gave it a bigger place to grow. That's what it is. We're trying to look at what do I need to change? In this environment, in this thing, I'm not growing, so I'm gonna make it bigger. Many times that's why God will ask you to do something because he's trying to put you in a bigger environment because he's trying to help you grow. So this is my 29th year full-time ministry. Over the 29 years, I've noticed that challenges come but it's not the challenges themselves that hamstring a person. It's their response to the challenges that determine if they grow and how they grow. See, in making anything work over a period of time, it's how you respond to the challenging moments that determine the outcome. Whether it be a marriage, whether it be parenting, whether it be your workplace, whether it be ministry. It's your response to the challenges that will dictate if you grow, if you just stagnate, or whether you actually go backwards. It's how you deal with those things that determine your growth. So what have been some of my challenges? So I'm guessing that we're all the same. So they're challenging to me. They're gonna be things that challenge you. What are some of the, your, my challenges that over the years have endeavored to hamstring me that I needed to actually deal with? Well, the first one is sin, right? Though I'm forgiven, 
though Jesus sees me as perfect, sin is not okay. And as a person, I still struggle with overcoming sin. You know, I've talked many times about dealing with anger and how anger has tripped me up and, and that I've definitely grown in that area. It's definitely not something that trips me up anywhere near what I uh, used to be. You know, those, these sins, though forgiven, would always hold me back. Insecurity, needing to be liked, right? The, those things will always hold me back from doing what God has asked me to do. So I need to try and rein them in. So don't ever accept sin. Always try and fight it. Sometimes we can just go, oh, I'm never gonna change. It is who I am. It's just what I do. But never accept it. Always believe that you can overcome in sin. Always want to overcome in sin. Always repeatedly come and ask forgiveness and repent of your sin. It's not because you need God to love you more or it's not because you've got to avoid God's judgment. Jesus already did that. That's not why we don't sin. We, 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 we want to fight sin because sin will always stop you living the abundant, fruitful life that Jesus has promised you. Jesus knows we all got some issues that trip us up. We all have one or two areas where we have a self-destructive streak. This all of us. None of us are perfect. That's why I've always got to be so careful in storing someone who's found in sin because that's their sin. It's been come out now. But there's things that I've sinned. There's attitudes and all sorts of things. That's so why we can never judge someone. We've all got different areas. Now, the key to the sin challenge is in the Lord's Prayer. Lead me not into temptation. The word temptation here means the internal leaning and bias inside us all that leads us to destroying ourselves. We've all got this bias towards sin. It's kind of like falling us there. So it might be all different things. We have a leaning, we have a bias. For some, it's insecurity that leads you to spend more than what you got. For some, it's self-destructive lust that overwhelms you. For some, it's a victim mentality that leads you to blame everyone else for your troubles. For some of you, it's a pain inside that you mask and hide with different addictions. For some, it's a painful past or upbringing that allows you and justify why you don't have to change. See, there's a thousand ways that sin touches us. So each day, ask the Lord to help you. Lead me not into temptation because all of us, like Superman, have our kryptonite. All of us have that different thing, which is why I, I love that because I can never boast in my goodness. I can never boast in my own righteousness. I can never judge you because we've all got our kryptonite. We've all got our thing that, that'll take us down if we allow it to do that. Lead us not into temptation. Do you ask the Lord for that? See, that's what it is to say, I don't want to have that. So lead me not into temptation. Let me rise above those things and live in victory. Another challenge that we all go through is sickness. It might be our own sickness 
or it might be the sickness of someone close. Just because someone is sick doesn't mean that they have no faith, right? Or something is wrong with them. But it's, it's difficult. When you go through long-term sickness, we all have a sick day. We have a flu, we get COVID, we're something like that. We're out of the thing. But when there's a long sickness and it's not going away and it's no longer a problem that needs a solution, it's a condition I now have to live with. There are conditions sometimes that we have to live with in sickness. It isn't going away. God's not healing and it's not because your, your faith is, you know, like not good enough. I wanna say to you, the area when you go through this time for someone who is sick or you're sick yourself is to hear from God for yourself. Get something that you can put faith in. Get a word that you can stand upon. Get something that solidifies the ground that you're walking on so that when the winds come and the waves come, you're able to stand. Because if I posture is hard. I don't get knocked around by the winds and the waves. But if my foundation is uncertain, then all of a sudden and shifting, I can't deal with the winds and the waves. So faith and getting a word from God, getting something from God, gives me a strong kind of way so I can stand and withstand. So hear from God and believe that. You know, if someone doesn't get healed, it's not because they didn't have faith. Lazarus didn't have faith. He was dead, right? He's dead. He had no faith. But time and time again, the Bible does say, go your faith has made you well. There's a story in Acts of Paul who's preaching and he sees a guy and he notices this guy's got faith to be healed. Now, I'm fairly confident the guy wasn't just like sitting like this. Right? There was something in the spirit. You could see that this guy had faith to be healed. So what we need to do in these times is say, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. See, we all believe that God can heal. We all believe that God can move. We all believe that God is able to do the impossible for them. For someone over there. Sometimes we find it hard to believe that God might do it for us. And so we've got to say, God, I believe, help my unbelief. Help my unbelief. And as we come to God with that seeking heart, what does the Bible say? Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open. Ask and you shall receive. Sometimes we have not because we ask not. We didn't knock, we didn't ask, we didn't seek. Lord, help my unbelief. Help my unbelief. Get something from God. So whether it be your sickness, whether it be someone else's sickness, get something from God yourself. Disappointment is a challenge. You're all gonna go through something that's disappointing. There isn't a person here who's just gonna live this disappointment-free life. I was believing for this, but that happened. See, disappointment is this, I expect that, this is what happened, and that gap is disappointment. Sometimes we need to raise what we're expecting to happen, that changes it. Sometimes we need to lower our expectation. Disappointment is a challenge. Something happened that shouldn't have happened. 
You know, I remember running out of petrol once, singing that song, our God is a God who can never fail. I go, what? You know what? It failed because I didn't put petrol in. I was a poor uh, Bible college student. I wasn't earning my 300,000. No, it's no. <laughs> Unhoped for endings. Divorce. Getting sacked. A leader failing. A ministry that didn't happen. Betrayal from a trusted friend. See, disappointment always affects the heart. Right? That's what the Bible says. That it, will, it will affect your heart. Disappointment makes your heart sick. It's what happens. You can't avoid it. Your heart is going to get sick. How are you going to deal with that sick heart? Peter was disappointed, and it was Jesus who came to him. He's fishing in the boat after the, the, the death of Jesus, and Jesus comes to him and, and restores him. Sometimes you just need to ride the wave. Let the grief cycle actually do its thing. Shock, denial, bargaining, anger, resignation, depression, letting go, acceptance, moving on. Let that do its thing and then get a fresh word from God. Maybe a word from God that, that is reinvigorated. When Jeremiah was trapped in jail, the Bible says the word of the Lord came to him a second time. The thing that God had spoke to him all of a sudden became inflamed again. All of a sudden, inflamed up again. And my God was with me then. My God will be with me now. And we once again need to get that word from God. I think one of the main reasons, or one knows, I wouldn't say main, one of the, a reason that people go through disappointment is they pray with an idol in their heart. So they pray, God, you have to do this. And if anything else different happens, then God, you're bad. God, you didn't come through. God, it should have been. So praying with an idol in your heart is when you only give God one option. The only way God can be God, the only way God can stay good, the only way God can be seen to be loving you is if he answers your prayer the way that you want him to pray, that you want him to. That's praying with an idol in your heart. I, I, that's, that's the only thing. Whereas we sit there in our prayer and go, God, your will be done. If we can pray that, all of a sudden you'll find that disappointment has a whole lot harder place to find because we're able to say, okay, this is your will. Many people didn't want Pastor Andrew to pass away this week. Felt many things could still happen, but that's what God wanted to do. He's allowed to do that. God is able to to do that. So please understand, you have to pray with an attitude that allows God to answer in more than one way. Jesus didn't want to go through the cross. He didn't want the experience of the cross. He begged so earnestly that he sweat drops of blood not to do it. But in the end, was he saying, not my will, but yours. He wasn't praying with just one outcome. He wasn't praying with just one thing that could happen. He's going, no, I put my life in the hands of your will. What else brings challenges? Family. Right? You can't choose your family. You love them, but you can hate them too, can't you? <laughs> Some of you are looking, no, I love all my family. <laughs> 
Ah, oh, that's not, no. Oh. <laughs> you got to love the Christian ones. You got to love the non-Christian ones. The family, they have all their expectations of how you should be and what you should do and all of these different things. All sorts of things. The, 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 the challenges that come with family, the personalities, the in-laws and the outlaws and, and the, the, oh, it's so frustrating. They should know. I live with them all my life. How could they just do that? How could they all of a sudden decide that they're gonna, you know, like go with, with their wife and husband not back me? All those different things of family. There'll be people in here who haven't talked to family members because of different things that have gone on. I just say this, with family, love them. Forgive them and serve them. Listen to this. I, I made this up myself. The more you make it about them and not you, the better things will be. The more you make it about you and not them, the better it will be. That's like saying the same thing, but completely opposite. So what it is, if it's about them, my dealing with them is for them. I'm the one who's a Christian. I'm the one who's walking with the Lord. I'm the one who's living in relationship with God. So I'm gonna make my family members, what's best for them? How can I best serve them? How can I best love them? And then I don't get all upset if I don't get it in return, that I got, didn't get the love or the response or, or what I was looking for because I've made it about them, not about me. But the other side of it is I made it about me because I'm not gonna allow what they say to get into my heart. I'm not gonna allow them. See, there, there was one member of my family that I always fight with and have this big fight and, and all of this. But then one day I realized that they just thought, oh, I'm just trying to change them all the time. I was just judging them all the time. I was this and that and, and I just trying to change. And so I just changed. I decided I'm just gonna love them. I'm gonna encourage them. I'm gonna find something good, right? I got another family member. If I say it's black, they say it's white. They say it's right, they say it's left. If I say it's up, they say it's down. We just think everything different. There's literally nothing we think the same of. But I decided that no matter what they said, I was just gonna let them say it. I'm not gonna fight over it. I'm not gonna allow them to get into my spirit and into my heart. I'm just gonna love them. Let me tell you, everything changed. Everything changed. Instead of having fight because I felt like, because in my eyes, that's just foolishness. That's just dumb. But in their eyes, that's just how you live life. So instead of getting fired and having all this trouble and all these different things, you can say whatever you like. Say it's up, okay, it's up, right? If I say it's down, I don't care. You can have it up, right? I just don't mind. You have this inability to hurt me. You have this inability to get into my spirit and get into my heart. Don't you think Jesus was like that? Do you think Jesus had this ability not to let what was said about him affect him? It wasn't his critics that made him go, oh, they said this, well, I better do this now. Oh, my critics said that, oh, I better do that now. Oh, my critics, no, he just went and did what God asked him to do and just went around and just talked about the kingdom. That's what his heart was. So with family, he loved them. I do wanna say this, I heard this great thing this week. So I'm stealing this of Pastor Ben Naitoka who spoke at our uh, region meeting this week. He talked about the prodigals. 
Some of you have got prodigal children. And he said the difference between the prodigal son, you know, the prodigal child, versus the lost sheep. See, the lost sheep just kind of got lost. He just kind of got lost. In the crowd went this way and, and over there, the, the flock, sorry, not the crowd. And, and they just kind of got lost. You go seek after them. But the prodigal said, nah, I know what you got. I know what you I don't want it anymore. I don't want to do it anymore. So they rejected maybe your faith. They rejected your relationship. They rejected the things that maybe that you've taught them about and, and led them through and, and tried to do. But and so they've walked away. And what it says, it said, the father doesn't go and seek after them. He allows them to do what they do and then one day they come to his senses and then they come back to him. And then the powerful thing is this. He doesn't blame them. He doesn't make them do all these different things. He just puts a ring on their finger. He puts a cloak on their back and teaches them to be a son again. Right? And that's what we gotta do. We gotta be waiting. He says every day you go out and wait. That's praying. That's what you can do for your prodigal. Pray that they come to their senses. But trying to accommodate them and compromise, doing all of those different things, it's, it's not working. They've gotta come to their own senses and that. The lost sheep, someone's just kind of got lost a bit. I didn't know, oh yeah, just stopped going to church. Yeah, go after them. Go seek after them. Leave the 99 and go and get them, bring them back into the fold because they just kind of got lost. They just, the busyness, COVID, this, that, whatever, whatever, got them away. We go seek after them, but the prodigal. And I just thought, how freeing is that? How freeing is that? Leave them to God so that they can come to their own decision. And one day when they're eating pig's food, they go, what mum and dad said, right? In, in train up a child in the way he should go. And in the end, he'll come back. Just think about it. Tells you about the start, tells you about the beginning. At the end, just misses the middle part. All right, so prodigals, they're challenges. Finance, finance always challenges. You know, every year we do a heart for the house uh, offering. And I want it to be a challenge. I, I make no bones about the fact that I want you to challenge yourself in your giving because it's something that shows that you have a confidence that God is in control of your finances, that, that sowing and reaping works. The answer to financial challenges is always sowing. Sow your seed and it will reap a crop. That's why I believe that God instituted tithing. So that every week, you gotta give something that you think, oh, and you give it over to God, and then God looks after your finances. It's a system by which you can constantly see that God can be trusted. And every one of you, every one of you will go through a time where God asks you to give something you don't wanna give. Every one of us will go through a time it's not always money. It's not always, it's different things. God will ask you to give up something that you don't wanna give. And every time you do, your faith will be increased and your faith in God will be increased. Yeah. Discouragement is a challenge. It's a major challenge. You just wanna give up. See, there's responses that you can have. The Bible talks about godly uh, repentance and worldly resignation. 
Godly repentance says, I've got to change. I'm better than this. God is able to get for me, through me this. And, and there comes an energy. There comes this thing, I'm, I'm going to get through. My country, a time of prayer, time of fasting, a word, something happens, a message. Something goes, I'm going to get through. It's energetic. It energizes you. That's, that's godly repentance. But then there's worldly resignation. It's just like, it's just too hard. I'm never gonna change. I'm, I'm just like this. My family is like this. This is like this. My boss is that. This is going on. I just, it's, you just resign. You just give up. And that's the devil. He wants you to resign. He wants you to say it's all too hard. Disappointment usually comes when you doubt God's plan or you doubt God's goodness. Your trust in God has been dented. Your faith in God's faithfulness and character is tested. It's actually easier to believe the bad about God than it is the good about God. Circumstances point to God being uncaring or unwilling or powerless instead of loving and proactive and, and, and powerful. My answer to discouragement challenge is this. Question your doubts, not your beliefs, right? Your belief is that God is good, God is able, God can, God loves me, God is for me, God, God is God, but your doubts. So question your doubts. Your faith, to be honest, is the only thing that's gonna get you through your discouraging time. Faith gets you the miracle we pray for a miracle, but faith also gets you through the tough time when things didn't go to plan. Look at Hebrews 11. We, we talk about all the great things that people did, but read about this. The faith to get you through. Hebrews 11 verse 32. What more shall I say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah and also of David and Samuel and the prophets who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteous, attained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of ice, escaped the sword, out of weakness were made strong, valiant in battle, turned to flight armies of aliens. Women received their dead backs of miracles. Faith for miracles, great. Oh, that's wonderful. That's faith for the miracle. But what about this? Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. Still others had a trial of mockings and scourging, yes, and of chains and of imprisonment. They were stoned, sawn in two, were tempted, were slain with a sword. They wandered around in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in desert mountains, and dens and caves of the earth. So you need faith. To get the miracle, God comes through, yes! But you also need the faith to get through those times when it seems like, where is God? What is God doing? How, 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 where is God? All of you will go through doubts. To sit there and say, I've never had a, a doubt. That's not reality. That's not how it is. But faith gets you the miracle and faith gets you through. You need faith faith for both. See, we need to stop judging God and give up control of the outcome. Our battle is really just a battle of trust, 
a matter of control. Will I allow God to do it his way? In Acts 12, there's a story of James and Peter. They're arrested and James is killed, killed by Herod. And Peter is miraculously let out of prison. Both jailed. One gets killed. The other one gets miraculously earthquakes, all sorts of things going on, released out of heaven. Did God love Peter more than James? Was Peter more important than James? No, they just had different plans and different outcomes. To be honest, I actually think James got the better deal, right? He's straight up to heaven. Thanks very much. Here I am with you, Jesus. This is awesome. He's in heaven. See, one of the great ways to get through the challenge is just to allow God to do it his way. So maybe the band could come up. And I just want to open up the altar for a moment for people to just bring their challenge to God. Bring your challenge, what you're going through, the issue, the doubt, the problem, the sickness. And we're going to pray. Right? We, we, I've spoken a little bit long. But bring your challenges to God. See, no life is without challenge. So let your challenges be the catalyst to change. Let them mold you, let them make you, and let them build you. See, God wants to enlarge you. So allow your challenges to grow your spiritual muscles. And they get grown by, by actually working them. There may be a bit of pain, but that's how muscles grow. Come this morning. So whether your problem is sin, sickness, finance, family, disappointment, discouragement, temptation, on this Pentecost Sunday, allow the Spirit of God to come and do something. So why don't you stand? We're just going to sing one worship song. But I want to pray for people who are going through something challenging. I want to pray for people this morning who, are, who have got some doubts about the character and the, the goodness of God. Maybe there's different issues. I, I don't really want to, I'm going to say them all, so I'm not identifying any particular people. But we're just going to open up the altar. And as we start to sing, why don't you come? The Spirit of God wants to help you. So one of the great things of God is that He said, you don't have to do any of this alone. He says, better I go so I can send to you the advocate. I can send to you the helper. That's what the Holy Spirit came to do. The evidence might be that we speak in tongues, but it's that we can walk not alone. We can walk with God. We can face our challenges with God. So start to sing a particular song. I'm gonna come down here. We're gonna pray. We've got a service team that's really ready to pray for you. And we're just gonna spend these next five minutes just praying and just believing that God is gonna do something in your life. So why don't you come? Be my...